and welcome to the Crime Chat. I am your forensic femme fatale, and Natalie is your true crime addict connoisseur. We're just two normal girls, not only obsessed about dark crimes, evil minds, and occasionally the unknown, and yes, there are a lot of unknowns. Yes, there are. Here is your disclaimer chatters. The following Crime Chat contains adult content and descriptions of potentially violent scenarios. Your listener discretion is advised. You have been warned, and before we get into today's Crime Chat, Pat, what have you done? Actually, I've been doing a lot of watching TV. (laughs) So Chris and I are still binging The Walking Dead. I think we're up to like season seven. Mm -hmm. By the time, in between the time that he's working or I'm doing something. So when we come together, it's it's kind of what we sit down and watch. Okay. So I think I probably, if I would have watched, was watching it again all by myself, I probably would have already gotten through it. But it's like piecing it together. So we're kind of watching that. And then I messaged you and told you about the Pale Blue Eye movie Uh on Netflix. Did you see, have you seen it or did you see a teaser for it? I started watching it. Yeah. Love it. Yes. I mean, I was blown away. I was like, I had no idea there was a character, Edgar Allan Poe, on there. But if you remember, too, because it was your story um, from a couple weeks ago, Mm -hmm. that when he, and it was taking place in the military academy, when he went to the military academy, he didn't go by his actual name. But in the the movie, they did, which is really cool. He was uh, Perry. Yeah, yes. Edgar Allan Perry, or Edgar A. Perry. Yeah, that's right. I love it when... And it kind of leads into our crime chat for today, but I love it when they have movies based on reality, like based on things that you can go back and facts and you can look at. And the fact that we just did that story yeah. and then it came out on Netflix. I know. I, and when I started watching it, I was like, oh, this looks pretty interesting, mm-hmm. right? investigative crime drama taking place in the 1800s kind of thing like Uh back in the day actual investigative work right so when and then when I was like wait a minute especially because I think it's like within the first 30 seconds they put quote from one of his poems on there I paused it took a picture of it and sent it to you and I was like oh shit look at this E.A. Poe do you remember which quote it was do you remember which poem the boundaries which divide life from death are best shadowy and vague who shall say where one ends and where the other begins? E.A. Poe. He's brilliant. I just love it. I love yeah. it. Yeah. I, re- I was, and I have a tendency to do this chatter, so it's like when we record, you know, we go back and we re-listen to it because we want to see, it's different when you're you're editing and you're kind of, mm-hmm. or you're doing it and you're trying to, when you go back and like listen to it again yeah. all the way through, you know. I, you know what I like about it is that every time I listen to the video, I get something else out of it. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, what about you? I got hooked on Ozark. And I know I'm late to the game. Ozark is a fucking amazing series. I have to admit, I am obsessed. I forgot how obsessed I was with Jason Bateman. Yes. <laughs> He's hot. He's amazing. He doesn't, the man doesn't fucking age. Right? Yep. He looks as good as he did back, what was he, was he in Valerie's family? What was he, the Hogan family? I think so. Well, so his sister, Justine Bateman was in mm-hmm. Family Ties. Right. Michael J. Fox. Right. I don't remember what he was in, but it was something family. Like, it was one of those, like, family sitcoms, mm-hmm. 80s, 90s right. time frame, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, he's amazing. That's what I was doing all weekend. I was playing hooky. <laughs> good. <laughs> <laughs> so, actually, before you get into your movie versus reality story and i don't know what it is chatters Mm. i'm 
on the edge just as much as you are. So, but I do have some crime chat like updates and kind of recapping some stuff. Okay. So I was watching an old episode of Unsolved Mysteries. You remember that old Unsolved Mysteries? And I can't remember the, the host's name, but he's up there and he's got like the trench coat on, right? Yeah, he's got that voice. Yeah. <laughs> so it was on the Roku channel. And I don't know, like we've just recently discovered that because we've got Roku mm. and we use like different applications and stuff for the Roku, they have their own channel and there's like thousands of channels on there. Really? Their own that. forensic files, like 24 7 forensic files. Uh, Girl. I didn't know that. 24 7 unsolved mysteries. Like, I mean, and it's all different things. It's sports and news and, you know, just, but it's with your Roku. You have a Roku, huh. it comes with it. So it's free channels, essentially. Mm-hmm. I was watching Unsolved Mysteries, and one of the shows they were talking about corner investigators and how they go to scenes and kind of the steps that they have to take in order to find Jane and John Doe's mm-hmm. bodies that have not been identified. What do they have to do? The processes and stuff they have to go through. And, you know, it's like kind of at the end of the shows is being unsolved mysteries. So some of the cases and stuff that aren't solved, they do sketches, right? So they'll have the artist representation. And you talked about that with the boy in the box and like the sketch and kind of how they would have mm-hmm. looked in different ways, you know, and that kind of thing. So at the end of this, they were highlighting two unsolved cases. One of them was a case that we talked about in our very first bonus episode oh. of Crimes in Our Backyard. Yeah. The Sumter County John and Jane Doe. Mm-hmm. The Sumter County Doe's. So we talked about this story. Just to recap a little bit, the crimes in the backyard, my part of the story was Sumter County Doe's where in 1976, two mm-hmm. bodies were found with gunshot wounds, a male and a female, just off of I-95. The male victim was shot three times in the upper chest, and the female victim was shot in the upper chest and then through the neck. The weapon they thought uh, that, that was used was a 357 caliber revolver. They had no idea who they were. They had no identification. They thought they were transients because of some of the materials and other the possessions that they had on their body. Mm-hmm. And right. they thought also that they could have been related because they favored each other so much. And it wasn't until January of 2021, so two years ago, that through the DNA Doe Project, the victims were finally identified. And they were identified as 29-year-old James Paul Freund and 24-year-old Pamela Mae Buckley. No suspect was ever arrested in this investigation and some theorists actually believe we talked about a little bit too that could have been peewee gaskins that's right but we kind of uh thwarted that theory because he actually was arrested um before and he was in jail pending his trial for his own murders but that was right for like 110 people that up to right he claimed so um and he's also in my coloring my serial killer coloring book <laughs> got a color peewee gaskins what do you use use crayola or a marker what do you, what do you oh, use? oh our squad got us the uh mar- got me markers for my birthday oh so i and it's really cool because it's got like a pen like a felt tip on one end and then like a very thin so for those like like small like little details and stuff <laughs> i color okay i color <laughs> So I just thought when I was sitting there, you know, kind of watching it or whatever, and then they popped up with the Sumter County does, I was like, oh, shit. So I wanted to make sure I'd mentioned it. And I was like, of course, because the TV show was so old and it was only just two years ago that they were identified, mm-hmm. they were still saying that they were unidentified, you know, because the show was probably 20 years old. Right. But I did not realize how, po- I mean, it made it it made it made to Unsolved Mysteries, which is insane. And one of the other things um, I was kind of scrolling through. Mm-hmm the internet 
and there was a news story that popped up about Daniel's Law. Do you remember we talked about Daniel's Law? Yes. Okay, so season one, Crime and Cosmetics episode uh-huh. with Alyssa DeVault, who was the YouTube makeup artist baby killer. Uh-huh. So on January 9th in Conway, South Carolina, which is really out by where Alyssa DeVault lived, uh, a baby girl was born. She was born uh, seven pounds, 21 inches at a hospital and was given to authorities under Daniel's Law. This law is enacted in 2001 to protect a child from harm. The Department of Social Services said the mother should be celebrated and that she's not the victim because the reason why this law came about is that women who were pregnant and had had babies not knowing what to do with them would either either harm them or something mm-hmm. along those lines and that's how Daniel's law came about because there was a baby boy that was found in the early 2000s in the, a landfill yeah and he was found alive and the nurses who were taking care of him named him Daniel so this basically is a law in South Carolina uh, that if you have a baby who's 60 days or younger and has not been harmed you can drop them off at a safe haven uh-huh. safe haven is a fire department police department a church a hospital this baby girl that was found was given a clean bill of health and placed in a licensed foster home there have been seven babies in the last year who have been saved by this law in the state of South Carolina. And this number for this last week, 56 total since oh. 2009. So we don't get to share great news very often. But that news story popped up on my feed and I was like, oh my gosh, we have mm-hmm. to talk about this. Because yeah. we mentioned Daniel's Law before. Mm-hmm. You know, it prevents mothers from harming their child, abandoning them. Right. And they can give them over to somebody with some sort of authority who right. can provide them a good home mm-hmm. and there's no repercussions as long as the baby's unharmed right for that so you, you hand over a baby that's been harmed there's different yes other things have to happen but i just wanted to give a good news story based on things that we've talked about <laughs> <laughs> Well, that kind of leads me into, real quick, we're going to do a little bit of a recap on some of the episodes that we've had so far. Mm -hmm. The most popular episodes that we've had since season two started back in November, the top three. Number three, episode 37, Name Crimes, The Victims. So, victim that you picked for Natalie and the victim I picked for Kathleen. Number two is episode 38, Lee Harvey Oswald, part one. That was a good episode. Yeah. And then number one, The Dating Game Show Killer, episode 40 has been our top one in season two. So yay! Who is also in your coloring book. And he is also in my coloring book, Rodney Acala. Uh, Top three downloads of all time, of all seasons. Uh Uh-huh. Number three, episode 17, The Russian Sleep Experiment, which has always been like at the peak. Crazy story. (laughs) Always been one of the most downloads. Uh, Number two is episode 32, The Easter Sunday Massacre. Mm -hmm. That was a chatter request Stephanie. Right. um, We're it was from somebody, she's from Ohio, and it happened in Ohio, and he killed 11 members of his family. And then number one, downloads of all time, <laughs> The Blood Bathory, episode 31. So that was a chat request from Sarah. Yes. This actually brings me to think, like, we want to do what you want to hear. Yes. So chat requests are up there. Mm-hmm. So let us know. And actually, come to think of it, um... Lee Harvey Oswald was a chatter request too. Do you remember? Tom, it was uh, the... Uh, That's right. That was a guy that I, I worked with and we talked about it. He was, because he was super interested in the Maryland one. 
he's like, hey, have you thought about Lee Harvey Oswald? So, yeah. Requested it while you were in Germany or something. And then when I saw him again in D.C. for uh, my other contract work, yeah, I saw him again and he was like, you got to do it. And I was like, okay, Tom. We're going to do it. Did you forward him the episodes? Because there's two parts of that. Like, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. I'll wrap up this recap uh, with the top downloads we just talked about. Mm-hmm. But the month of August, we had 1,181 downloads. And that's been our top month so far. Are you kidding me? With a total of 4,366 total all-time downloads. So thank you, Chatters. Thank Chatters. you, Chatters. That's crazy. Oh, my God. One more factoid on this recap. Mm-hmm. The total download, the highest number, mm-hmm. total downloads in one day. Oh. Episode 23, The Makeup Artist Baby Killer, Alyssa DeVault. But it wasn't the original release. It was the re-release that we did in October for the Crime and Cosmetics oh, collaboration right. with Mad Love. We did the re-release. So October 12th is when it was re-released. The original release was in May of 2022 with 26 downloads on that day can you guess in october when it was when we did the re-release and it was downloaded again how many downloads it got i'm gonna say 10 well it would have been greater than 26 <laughs> <laughs> So what's the number? 96. It's a hit. Yeah. That's awesome. So Chatters, Natalie, that's a bit of a recap and kind of a crime chat update. I love it. I absolutely love it. We need more chatter requests. Yes. We want to hear what you want to hear. Like we want to hear all about what you want to hear. Yeah. Put your requests in. You can email them to crimechatwithnatcat at gmail.com. You can message us on Facebook or on Instagram mm-hmm. and we will chat it up and we'll get on say, it. Say great. Yeah, we'll get on it. We'll get on it. Get down on it. <laughs> so, Kat, are you ready for my chat today? I am. I love these. This is our first movie versus reality of season two also. Yes, it is. Yay. So, Kat, what if murder was legal for 12 hours? <gasps> no one can protect you. The Purge. Oh, my gosh. The Purge, the movie versus the reality, Kat. That is insane that it was even a thing. It's a thing. Well, I did not know about it. <laughs> I know. That's why I hid it from you. No, why didn't I know about it to bury some bodies? <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> Just joking. So now you've seen the movie. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love it. Or at least the first one. Yeah. But The Purge was written and directed by Peter James DeMonico. Mm-hmm. He stated that the franchise technically is not inspired with any real events, actually inspired from modern day America. I'm not surprised. That's what he says. <laughs> Have you seen the news lately? Like, have you seen how chaotic things have been? Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Now, he said that the initial inspiration for the original film occurred when he was involved in a road rage incident. Mm. He said that him and his wife were driving in Brooklyn, and they were cut off by a man who appeared to be drunk. DeMonico stated that he got into a fight with the man until police showed up. DeMonico and his wife were so furious that this person was so reckless and they nearly almost killed them that in a moment of rage, his wife turned to him and said, wouldn't it be great if we got one free one a year? Mm. That's start. Mm. It's important to note, DeMonico has made no claim that The Purge is actually based on real events. Okay. It's a movie. However, 
It is linked to the ancient Roman festival Saturnalia. So Saturnalia was an ancient Roman festival that begun on December 17th. The festival celebrated the Roman god of agriculture, Saturn. Mm -hmm. Saturnalia was created by the golden age of equity and prosperity. Basically, all social dynamics were leveled off. Okay. This was an attempt to recapture the equality of spirit, happiness before slavery and private ownership of property. Mm. So now on this day of festival, all businesses would cease to exist. Everybody would close down and they would partake in the celebrations and it would be like a Mardi Gras feeling. Okay. However, during the festival, people would swap lives. The rich would be the poor for the day. The poor would be the rich for the day. Wow. It was a total reversal. Slave owners used to use Saturnalia as a pressure valve, a way to provide slaves an outlet to funnel the resentment and anger that built up throughout the year into one single commissioned event to protect themselves. So they figured if they gave the slaves one day a year to kind of do what they wanted to do, mm -hmm. that they wouldn't be likely to attack them during the rest of the year. Interesting. Isn't that weird? Yeah. So this may sound familiar. Uh, in the purge, the new founding fathers of America took power in order to prevent civil unrest and economic duress. Uh, Oh, yeah. There's a professor, Fanny Delansky, who stated that Saturnalia also served to maintain a desirable status quo. The temporary departure from the normals allowed the rules and the structure of society to be refreshed in the mind and be more accepting once again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's it just fascinating to me, like the parallels between the ancient world and today and like the movie and Hollywood and all this yeah. stuff. Yeah. I mean, can you, can, but, and you're probably going to get into to it but like can you imagine like if there was not even like just the you know what actually ever would happen no prosecution like no one free day or 12 hours that you have a free day but that also on the flip side of that the uprising who people were against it yeah because it's murder or whatever you know robbery murder burglary yeah do whatever the fuck you want to do for a very short period of time yeah i'm pretty sure that our country would shut down yeah <laughs> not, well, not Florida, but yeah, sure. <laughs> so there are a lot of people who like this movie. I'm one of them. I watched it. I didn't yeah. watch all of them, and I'll go through all of them later on at the end. Oh, okay. Okay, good. The movie is not that old, 2013, and the case itself, The Purge Killer, is not that old. Okay. Uh, the terrifying reality of an actual purge brought an entire city to its knees. In the movie, you have fictional characters going about their own lives until a broadcast of a public service announcement comes over the radio. The same people get their hit list checked in mm -hmm. twice and the murdering begins. <laughs> Which leads us to our crime chat today. It's about Jonathan Cruz, the purge killer. Have you ever heard of him? You know what? It sounds familiar. I think I think so. He's pretty recent. Maybe. Yeah. So he was caught up in the idea of the movie. He decided to conduct a purge on the people of Indianapolis. Mm -hmm. Jonathan Cruz was completely delusional. <laughs> he truly felt the film was his reality. Yeah. You know, there's so many bad things that go on in the world and the sheer evil walking around your neighborhood. Mm -hmm. There's no rhyme. There's no reason. There's just total mayhem, just like the movie. Yeah. In 2013, Room House Pictures, the company behind the legendary franchise Paranormal Activity, released the first installment of The Perch. Mm -hmm. In the movie, it is set in 2022. The United States designed a sinister way to end problems of overpopulation 
and unemployment and sickness. 12 hours, one day a year, all crime is legal. In the movie, the government boasts how the purge led to the lowest unemployment and how the crime rate is now down to 1%. Mm. In the movie, for those who choose not to purge, they must hide away and protect themselves at all costs. The first movie was really good at this. Yeah. Bringing that fear in. Yeah. In the movie, the purge is not only just legal, it is your American right. Mm -hmm. It is not frowned upon and it's almost an religious experience. Mm -hmm. As the viewer, most of the time you are reduced to watching a killing spree through a surveillance video, mm -hmm. making you feel like you guys, yeah, you should hit the pause button, maybe go check your doorbell cam at this point <laughs> because pretty free. Yeah. Let's get into Jonathan. 19-year-old Jonathan Cruz, obsessed with the franchise, he wanted the whole country to watch his rampage, which is another aspect that a lot of people don't know. He videotapes everything. Mm. Jonathan Cruz grew up in Orlando, Florida. Yay. He was an only child. He was being raised by a single mother. They didn't have much. Mom was struggling, and she basically ignored him. Not the best son-mother relationship. Mm -hmm. The relationship itself was described as being troubled. There was always money problems. There was always issues. She was trying to work a couple of jobs to keep a roof over their head. She didn't have much patience with her son, and he didn't have any friends. Like, he was a loner. Mm. Mom got a new job in Indianapolis, and she decided to pack up and move the two of them over there. Now, at this point, he's about 17 years old. Okay. A lot of reports say that this was a breaking point for him. He was starting a new high school. He had no friends, and he started to get angry. At the new school, he was bullied. Mm. He did not fit in. He was also super jealous of other and their normal life. Because they didn't have a normal life. Yeah. Yeah. Jonathan started to develop a thick skin. He became super aggressive in high school and started to bully other people. Jonathan also started his own like fight club attitude. Mm -hmm. He would challenge other teenagers to fights after school. People stopped messing with him because they were afraid of him. He was a loaded cannon. And he was also known at this point as being the tough guy in school. Okay. Jonathan also got the attention of the wrong crowd. He was noticed by a local gang who called themselves the Bloods. Who's that? I don't know who that is. <laughs> <laughs> they are considered one of the most feared gangs in society. So for Jonathan, this gang comes with a sense of belonging, respect, admiration. You're a part of something. You're never alone. And you're a member, literally. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's no way to get yeah. out. And it was like the family he never had. To show his devotion to his new family, Jonathan took on a whole new look. He changed his name to Sav Hanna, and he got a red star tattooed under his right eye. Hmm. The bloods are represented by the number five and mm -hmm. also by the color red. Mm -hmm. So the star had a five point. Yeah. Huh. The other gang members encouraged his aggression to be more destructive. Mm -hmm. Jonathan knows that he had to ante up in order to show his value to the blood. He wanted to prove that he could kill. He wanted to show that he had the ability. And he had the idea and the inspiration from the movie The Purge. Mm -hmm. He was now going to reenact The Purge on his rival gang members and people that he did not like in the community to impress the blood. Hmm. The first thing that he needed to do was he needed to get a weapon. So his gang friend, Gray, got him an untraceable weapon, a 38 revolver. And on May 12, 2016, just after midnight, Jonathan, Gray, and Eli went for a drive. Mm -hmm. The first victim of the purge. Jonathan spots a man walking alone on the street. 54-year-old Billy Boyd 
coming home from visiting his father and siblings. Billy was at the wrong place at the wrong time. Target of opportunity. Yep. yep. Jonathan got out of his car, demanding money, holding a gun, while Ray and Eli took out their phone and videotaped the whole thing. Mm. Billy's reaction was non-confrontational, and unfortunately, this kind of triggered Jonathan. He wanted fear. He wanted screaming. He wanted fighting. He wanted what he depicted in the movie. Right. His victim wasn't reacting the way he wanted to. Right, yeah. And he needed to prove that he could kill. So... He shot him three times and he kills Billy Boyd. Then he checks the body for any money and before jumping back in his car, videotaping the whole time. Immediately, they moved on to the next purge victim. Mm. They cruised the streets for about four hours looking for somebody. Mm -hmm. 40-year-old Jay Higginbottom. Once again, Jonathan instructs his friends to record the purge on his cell phone. Jonathan jumps out of his car and approaches Jay. Jonathan immediately escalates the situation, yelling, pointing a gun, and then shoots twice in his chest. He checks the body for money and finds a hundred bucks. Mm. This time, he feels that, hey, you know what? There could be payoff and reward here. All right. Yeah. Now he's got more of a selective target. So sure. it's not just random. Now it's people that may have something in their pocket. Yeah. And at this time, the police and the news media were all over the two crimes. Mm -hmm. The people of Indianapolis were terrified. They were locking their doors. They didn't know where he was or if he was walking around if he could strike again. Mm -hmm. The police did not know it was him at this time. The police knew that it was possibly an active situation and it could result in more murder, but they didn't know. Mm -hmm. This must have been terrifying for the city of Indianapolis. Yeah. It reminds me actually of, um, so a couple weeks ago, I was telling you, I was watching the documentary Catching Killers, where they had interviewed mm -hmm. like the investigators and, you know, the DA and everything. And they kind of go back and replay and um, Warnos was one of the ones that was on there. But there was another right. one that this, it was like almost this exact same thing of mm -hmm. uh, where there was no motive really behind it other than just mm -hmm. killing people to see what happens. It happened in Phoenix. And there ended up being like, I don't know, something like um, six dead, but like 13 or 15 victims total. And they were being shot. Really? But it just kind of reminds me of like, yeah, that's, and this would have been, I don't know, maybe like late 90s, early 2000s time frame. I, and there was a name for the killer and it doesn't come to me, but that just how you're describing it reminds me a lot of like that same type of situation. But the, uh, this Jonathan probably what he wouldn't have known that like he wouldn't have been i don't even he might not even been born by that time you know when that actually right. was happening in phoenix so wait, what show is this that you're yep. what show is this thing? catching killers catching killers yeah right, i gotta check that out yeah that sounds good it, no it is it's really good so jonathan ray and eli decided to go back home they were celebrating their night re-watching the video and they were excited about how much attention the video was getting with the gang members and everybody in the community did they did they like stream it or like or just sharing it amongst themselves sharing it amongst themselves although okay. on social media everything has been taken down sure there's no way you can go check it out but they did re-release certain things not videos but like pictures of him waving guns around being aggressive and there was you know there were other videos of him fighting teenagers and stuff like screenshots from the videos like before not not releasing the actual killing and in everything but maybe like just his behaviors on those actual videos like you know how they can take a screenshot mm -hmm. from i don't think a video. from the actual evidence okay so i think the pictures and screenshots are just was him being stupid but this case really wrapped up recently so i don't think that level of evidence is going to be released anytime soon ah. 
Okay. So the day after the murders, Jonathan sends an article to his family and friends about the killings because now it's all over the news. Mm -hmm. He told them he is one responsible for all these murders. So he is confessing to everybody he knows. This is me. I did it. I did it. But I mean, that's it. And you have to do that for like gang initiations. You have to like, you have to kill and you have to own it. You have some type of like chatter initiation. (laughs) No murder. Starts with a chatter request. You gotta get a sticker and stick it somewhere. The traveling chatter. <gasps> oh, yeah. The traveling chatter. Hashtag traveling chatter. <laughs> well, I'll be going. I'll be going to DC in a couple months again, and maybe uh, I think I forgot them last time. I needed to start doing that. Like any place I go, put a sticker, take a picture of it, and be like hashtag Alexandria. <laughs> <laughs> right, we're gonna work on that. We're working on it. Traveling chatter, and then where you are. Right. What they didn't know is that as far as the purge is concerned, Jonathan was completely immersed in it and he wasn't going to stop. Like this wasn't going to stop. He was on a mission and he felt this was his right to purge America of people. He felt we're useless. (laughs) It is my right. Jonathan texts his gang members. I purge every night now. He's basically saying step up. Bruh. Basically, murder with no consequences seems like a dream come true for this guy. He can do whatever he wants. The rules don't apply. He doesn't even need to face arrest at this point. This is where he's at. He's like, he feels like a god. I, uh, that delusional is right. Delusional. Delusional is right. Yeah. Jonathan and Ray decide to go back out the following night to continue their rampage. The police were super vigilant at this point. However, there were no signs technically pointing to Jonathan, so they, they didn't know. Mm-hmm. The streets were clear. Police were on it, trying to find a needle yeah. on a haystack at this point. Right. They drove around the neighborhoods looking for random people, and about 6 a.m., they got their chance again. Larry Shaw, who was just walking by himself, Larry was in the wrong place at the wrong time, just yeah. like everybody else. Yeah. Larry was also aware of the murders in the neighborhood, and he willingly produced money in his cell phone. But since it was dawn, Jonathan decides shooting him would be too risky. And he ended up hitting Larry over the head with the gun and then running away was a grave mistake. Well, I mean, if you're going to, yeah, I was going to say, I mean, <laughs> essentially you're leaving a witness. Yeah. Not that what they're doing mm-hmm. is justified, but like. You're leaving a witness at this point. Yeah, so I say. So Larry obviously is not dead. Mm-hmm. He waits until he knows the coast is clear, and then he staggers to his feet, and then he goes and gives police the best description he possibly could mm-hmm. of him and his friend Ray. But the officers still have no idea that it is connected yeah. to two previous murders. Sure. Yeah, because it was a little bit different. He wasn't dead. He didn't shoot him. You know. Right. Yeah, didn't yeah, didn't shoot him. There was, you know. Mm-hmm. So at this point, they're probably thinking it was just like a robbery, like armed robbery or something. Right. Okay. Jonathan and his friend Ray did not go home after this. They hit the streets again. It's daytime because now it's after 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. This leads us to our next victim, 44-year-old Jose Ruiz. He used to work odd hours. He was always leaving his job at 5 a.m. to go home. So him being around this time early in the morning was not, it was his normal. Like it was sure. a big thing for him. Yeah. Jonathan walks up to his car and shoots. The bullet enters his cheek, travels through his neck, to his throat and kills him instantly. Mm. Then 
Jonathan takes what he wants, robbing him before jumping back in his car and then fleeing the scene. Mm -hmm. Jonathan and Ray go back to celebrate on their last victim. Police, at this point, still have no leads, mm -hmm. but they notice that the crimes were committed in the early morning hours mm -hmm. and that the victims were shot and robbed. Okay. Then they got a big break. A young woman comes forward with some information. She stated she met a guy mm -hmm. that sold her some marijuana, but this guy wanted sex for payment. She also stated that he showed her a video of a murder. She said after she saw this video, she tried to leave. When she got outside from the restaurant where she was trying mm -hmm. to buy marijuana from him, he ran out after her, grabbed her by her throat, pushed her against the wall, put a gun in her face. Wow. And lucky one of the managers in the restaurant saw this happen, so he came out and yeah. Work it up a little bit. But then Jonathan threw the girl into his car. So basically, he kidnapped wow. her right in front of the manager. A mile down the road, he decided to stop the car and let her go. And then he threatened her, mm -hmm. like, if you tell anybody, I will, I will kill you. Did the restaurant have cameras? They did. Oh, yay. <laughs> so now the girl realizes Jonathan may be the one responsible for the wave of murders that she's been hearing about in the news. Mm -hmm. So she decided to come into the police station and tell yeah. them. I think Jonathan at this point thinks like it's business as usual. You know, he, he can, he can come and go in his community as he mm -hmm. wants. Everybody is just afraid of him. And there's some like arrogance. Yeah. Like, Ooh, they're afraid of me. Watch out. I'm a badass. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No. Police at this point connected the dots and they tracked him down in a home in Indianapolis. At first he stepped outside and it was just like another day for him. Like he was just walking mm -hmm. outside. And then all of a sudden he is surrounded, surrounded by families. <laughs> One of my favorite things that and when you do mm -hmm. is like when everybody's like, go, 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 go. And then it's like, it's, around, it's like a swarm. It's like, yeah, it's like one of my favorite things to, I mean, your adrenaline's pumping, like, yeah. there's so much going on. It's mm -hmm. like one of my favorite things because you get, you get people and you catch them off guard. Uh-huh. And a majority of the time, at least in all my experiences, is they comply because they're like, they're caught so far off guard that they're just like, okay, 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 okay. you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, I'm like picturing this right now. <laughs> you can envision this situation here right now. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Totally. I'm there. <laughs> Real life is, is crashing down on yeah. Jonathan. He is going to be held accountable. The dude is in yeah. trouble. Jonathan is arrested and charged with criminal confinement, kidnapping, intimidation, and battery. But police still have to mm -hmm. prove that he is responsible for the murders. Naturally, Jonathan lawyers up. Okay. But, I mean, you get search warrants. Oh, yeah. They're going to find it. Yeah. Yeah. He thinks he's going to get away with this. He's part of the gang. Of course he does. The police haven't made the connections yet between the three murders, but luckily officers were one step ahead. Police struck gold and found his cell phone. Mm -hmm. All the videos of the murders, all the gang fights, all the yep. robberies, yep. All, all of it was on there. Yeah. They also find the text messages he sent to his family and friends, which the prosecutor said was one of the most damning pieces of evidence. Of course. Stating that I will purge every night. Yeah. Police learns the shocking truth that Jonathan's crimes were all inspired by the movie. There are like press releases about this guy mm -hmm. and the, the disbelief on their face. Like mm -hmm. this. This whole thing was based on his obsession with the purge. Mm -hmm. With countless amount of evidence linking Jonathan to three murders, police were able to finally charge him. Jonathan pled guilty to killing Billy Boyd, Jay Hannah Bottom, Jose Ruiz, receiving three consecutive life sentences without the possibility of parole. 
for the families and the victims. Life for them will never be the same. Mm-hmm. It's horrifying to think that the only reason why they were killed is because Jonathan believed in the movie The Purge mm. to just go around killing at random right. and just wreaking havoc in the Indianapolis area. Jonathan Cruz will always and forever be known as the Purge Killer. Mm. The Purge. Which one did you see? Um, I've seen most of them. The... Oh, you did? Yeah, yeah. My favorite one is election is the election one though. Okay, so 2013. That's the one that I saw. That was the original one. Mm-hmm. I saw the original one. I saw I saw Anarchy. I saw Election Year. The Purge Election Year was 2016. Mm-hmm. The first Purge never saw it. 2018, and then the Forever Purge. 2021 and then there's a tv series called the purge yeah i so i didn't see the last the two most recent ones i saw the first three Mm -hmm. um and i heard of the television series but i I haven't seen it gotta watch that hey alexa (laughs) where is the purge streaming the purge is available with an hbo now subscription and for rent or purchase on amazon prime video all right you've heard of your first chatters alexa (laughs) she's my new favorite thing Oh my god. So yeah, so that was my uh the purge uh, movie versus reality. The past ones that you've done, it's like it, I could see where the Saturnalia would yeah. provide some sort of baseline mm-hmm. for this type of creativity, but the fact that people who have watched the movie like after it came out felt so yeah like it was real like i'm gonna make this happen i don't know like yeah you do have to be some sort of like you know delusional to think yeah that you can't separate you know mentally and like i love this kind of i love being entertained by this kind of stuff right it's entertaining Mm. getting so developed and and involved in something that's not real i know (laughs) it's like golly DeMonico did go into an interview and he said that he has a real fear of guns. Mm-hmm. While he was traveling abroad, he always noticed that America had a very high gun fatality rate or gun violence. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. it's strange, when I was outside of America and I was looking at my country, he's like, it's almost like when you think of a haunted house, mm-hmm. he's like, it's almost like America is haunted for me mm-hmm. with all this violence. And that's when I decided to write The Purge. Because Mm -hmm. in my head, it's like America is the haunted house. This shit going on. You don't need vampires. You don't need zombies. You don't need The Walking Dead. You got people killing people. Yeah, you got the real shit. It's a cool concept. Yeah. But it is a fucking scary one. And it's a very popular one. The movie is fucking... Yeah. But I don't know. That's crazy. I know, right? You know, and I so I do remember um I remember hearing about this like the purge killer, but I didn't know all the details. Mm. I don't know. What do you think, Chatters? Let us know. What do you think? What's your favorite purge movie? Yeah, what's your favorite one? I I I, I said I only saw the first 3. I like the election year. I can watch that one. It's good. Over and over again. I can't yeah. do all the violence because we don't leave you hanging, Chatters. For more information on this case, please check out After That Crime Chat, available only on Patreon. Yes, don't forget to follow us on all our socials, mm-hmm. Crime Chat with Nat and Cat, on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, TikTok, to see what's coming up. Yes, and remember, Crime Chat with Nat and Cat, subscribe to our Patreon, subscribe to our YouTube. You get bonus episodes, behind the scenes, bloopers, and check out some merch in the works. I just ordered my new shirt. I can't wait. I'm wearing my shirt. Today. You got a sweatshirt though. That's really cool. I like that. No, yeah, yeah. I got my sweater over it because it's cold. It's like 25 <laughs> degrees outside. But be sure to check out our next episode featuring oh, love. 
and murder. It's a case that we've talked about before, but I'll bring all the deets about the young couple who were killed in Valentine's Day, 1971, in Durham, North Carolina. Oh, you don't want to miss it. I can't wait. Yeah, we'll see you on the next Crime Chat. Bye. Bye!